0: Who's happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Where's all the uh, ET1? All the Itaewon peeps, be loud and proud. I really just want to welcome everybody. Uh, uh, this Sunday uh, and the next two Sundays, it's going to be a special uh, Sunday service here at Hillside, uh, especially because we're going to have different guests coming in from these different countries where we have partnerships with some of these native pastors, native uh, leaders and ministers that are there. And um, today we have, it's like Filipino day. (laughs) It's like the Filipino day parade, like back in. um, And praise the Lord, they don't need no translation because they speak English in the Philippines. That's why I love going to the Philippines. I mean, sometimes I need a translation, but uh, most of the times, man, we we just flow and We minister and God just shows up so powerfully when we minister in the Philippines. And uh, we're just so thankful that um, actually I got my early altar ministry training in the Philippines Um, when I didn't know really how to move in the power of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know how to pray for the sick. I didn't know none of that. Okay. I learned it from my first two trips, mission trips to the Philippines. I remember one time I went down to uh, Dumaguete and uh, I was up in the islands there and we're doing a lot of ministry. And the first trip I went on, I prayed for different people, and just we're just praying, and we we you know we're just very conservative evangelical Presbyterian type of ministry. You know, we're just praying and you know praying whatever we can think of from our Presbyterian backgrounds. And all of a sudden, this lady just started to fall to the ground, and then we were like, "What's wrong with her?" And we just kind of picked her back up, and we kept on praying, and she kept falling again. That happened like on three. Different people, and so I just kind of took a mental note. And then on the second trip, uh, about six months later, when I went to the Philippines, I mean, I mean, I went. I was with uh, a, with Pastor Eby, uh, um, and I was up in uh, Pampanga, yes. And I went to a church there, Tarlac, Tarlac. And uh, I was at a church there, and man, um, we. we we just call people forward to pray for the sick because what happened was on my first trip for the Philippines, where I had that, those first few experiences with the anointing, uh, the pastor there, his, his wife, she gave me a book, an old book. It actually looked like... The reason I was looking at the book was not because I was really interested in the topic. I was looking at the book because it looked like a rat chewed it all up. It was all like the, the pages looked like, like literally a rat gone through it. It got wet with rain, all this stuff. And I was like, what a nasty book. But then I was looking inside and the book was called Heal the Sick by Charles and Francis Hunter. And I just started reading about healing the sick. And something came alive inside of me. And so six months later, when I go on this next mission trip to the Philippines, uh, I was in Turlock with Pastor Ibai. Uh We just asked people, whoever wants uh, healing prayer to come forward. And so people just start lining up in the front. And then everyone looked at me like I knew what I was doing. <laughs> but in between the praise times, I was going to the bathroom. I was like, Lord, what do I do? What am I doing? What am I doing? And the Lord just put it on my heart, pray for the sick. And so, you know, we just started praying for different people. And people, different people start getting touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they just start falling down. Right? And so I prayed for this one lady. And I was like, what's wrong with you? She said, I have a toothache. And I was like, all right, in Jesus' name, be healed of your toothache. And she just starts to slowly fall away. And I, had, I wasn't used to opening my eyes. I had my eyes closed. And I was like, where'd you oh. go? <laughs> all right. So I prayed for the next person. I prayed for the next person. Right? And, and all these different people started to um, experience the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And uh, the anointing was really powerful that night, actually. And I just distinctly remember God was, like, really trying to establish a model for ministry that I would end up carrying month after month after that trip. And so, you know, uh, I have a lot of history with the Philippines, you know. I learned a lot in the Philippines. Uh, and so I just really want to honor all the pastors there. Got to serve with Pastor Ching Tao down in Mindanao, right? Actually, my first trip, I went down to Mindanao, um, but on proceed, uh, trips after my first trip, man, I just realized just what an apostolic leadership that this man carries. Uh, what kind of signs and wonders and power and wisdom he carries, like maturity. Uh, man, I just, I just, you know, every time mission trips comes around, you know, I always tell uh Madame Huang, you know, I always try to tell us you know, I want to, I want to go down to Mindanao because I know that our team is going to be more blessed. Uh, then uh, you know they're going to be more blessed than they are a blessing because we work with Pastor Ching Tao. You know we just get so much uh, more than we do give. You know, and so uh, it's an honor to have you guys here, every single one of you. Uh, I don't know if I've met all of you, but I met uh, maybe about one fourth of you guys. I've seen a lot of your faces before, and I just want to honor all the pastors here today. Hey, let's honor all the pastors from the Philippines. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're so thankful that you guys are here with us. Yeah, and Pastor John, of course, and Annie. Uh, Pastor John's going to be ministering at our Sunday service, I believe, next week. All right, so you, you get to hear him speak. You're going you're gonna to get to hear Pastor Ching Tao speak in about two weeks as well. And so, uh, yeah, I got, I'm really busy right now, so I'm really glad that you guys came along. <laughs> okay, actually, I don't know if you just found out about that, so we got to confirm that. Okay, did we confirm it already? Okay, we, more, okay. Uh, we're going to ask them to speak next week and <laughs> the following week. And if, they, if they're in agreement and if, if, they're, if they're willing, we would love to have them here. All right, praise the Lord. Uh, turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Man, there's the sound, there's a new sound of freedom in this house, I'm telling you right now. All these people that received healing, deliverance ministry, man, last night, people were just getting rocked. They're just crying and wailing. Holy Spirit just started just touching so many people, enabling them to forgive. I mean, it was a powerful time all throughout the weekend, including the altar ministry and the small groups. There's so many testimonies, and I want to encourage all the new recruits, make sure... Excuse me. Make sure to write your testimony, right? Don't let this, don't let Satan snatch up those seeds of blessings and breakthrough that you have received, right? You get those things in the form of in a seed form, but it's up to you whether you're going to let that really grow into fruit. So you got to really cherish that, establish that in your heart, and begin to walk in the freedom that Christ has brought you into. For many others that are in an inner healing time, all right. Don't feel the need to rush your inner healing. It's a process. Come through your season of healing, and uh, the Lord will. You know, it's kind of like this with inner healing. You walk through your season, and somewhere toward the end of your season, you just kind of look back and you go, "Ho, oh, I think I'm totally healed of that." Right? It's, it's just like you're getting healing, getting healing, getting healing, crying uh, at like service, random services, just crying. Let me put um. My pastoral assistant, Soleil on blast, right? <laughs> Last year when Soleil came to our church, you know, she would just, every time we're singing praises, she just start crying and weeping. Other times during the middle of my messages, she just start crying and weeping. And I was just like, oh, that, that girl is on a process right now of inner healing. The Lord is establishing His truth, His grace inside of her. And I heard, I overheard. That she was helping out with the healing and deliverance sessions at the retreat and did an amazing job just supporting, just loving and just speaking life. Um, and so we're just really proud of Sister Sole it has grown and matured so much within the one year, uh, that she has been with our church. Uh, Proverbs chapter three, verses five through six and uh, five through eight. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. I'm reading from the ESV. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Isn't that, that kind of interesting there, that, that latter portion of the passage? It says... Fear the Lord and turn away from evil and it will be healing to your flesh, your physical body and refreshment to your bones. It doesn't say turn away from junk food and it will be healing to your flesh. It says turn away from evil and that's so interesting that when you turn from sin, actually, when you don't turn from sin, it can have negative effects and manifestations and symptoms and disease can begin to be carried in your physical body. You know, some people can't figure out why they have chronic migraines or why they get they're susceptible toward anxiety attacks. You know, and that's because there are areas in their lives where they are not fearing the Lord and turning away from evil instead of conforming their minds to the word of God. They're conforming their ways, conforming their behavior to the ways of the world, conforming their thinking to the ways of the world. And as they continue in their sin, sometimes it start to physically manifest on your physical body. All right. And the Bible says here, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That's why it's so important that our church every year, we have a leadership retreat in which we highlight the focus of the ministry is healing and deliverance. This is the opportunity. If you want to be a leader of the church, we need to deal with the skeletons in your closet. We need to deal with the hurts from your past. And you know what? It takes courage to confront some of those things. Some of the abuses that were done to some of the new recruits from this past weekend, if you read these questionnaires, it will shock many of you. Because you don't you you look at them, you say hi. You eat, you know, little, you know, danishes every week with them. And you do, you know, you talk and you smile and you, and you pray for them. But you don't really know what, what they went through. I mean, what some of these guys went through. I mean, it's incredible how they even survived life. How they even went on with life. And God didn't want them just to survive. God wanted them. God wanted to turn all those things for their good. And so every year we have this leadership retreat. And we focus in on healing and deliverance. Why? Because we believe when you turn away from evil, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. God's word says that your soul may prosper. Hope I'm getting this right. Just as your body prospers or that your body prospers just as your soul prospers. It's something like that. All right. And so a lot of times in our westernized way of thinking, right? Right. We, we're very intellectual, we're very westernized, and we tend to separate uh, our mind and our soul from the physical body. And I'm learning more and more in seminary right now, that this belief is a very Plato-centric belief. Meaning the Greek philosopher Plato is the guy who really championed that the physical body is evil, and it's all about enlightenment of the mind. It's about um knowledge and enlightenment and that's how uh that's what's really important and he even has spiritual teachings in a lot of what he taught in his philosophy but anyway that's not a biblical what i'm saying is a biblical viewpoint a biblical viewpoint sees the soul and body very much intertwined together and if you're healthy in your soul you will be healthy in your body now, I know that in a lot of evangelical Christian churches back in America, they don't like that teaching. They, if, if you even hint at that teaching, they'll accuse you of the health and wealth gospel. But, you know, can I just say, you know, and, and you know, my seminary professors would hate me if, if they heard me preach this message, but can I just say the health and wealth gospel, all right, there is no health and wealth gospel. There's this one gospel. And the fullness of that gospel includes your physical body and, yes, even your finances. And the Bible says, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The Western mindset says, all your rewards will be when you die and go to heaven. But the biblical mindset says, there will be rewards in heaven. But I'm also going to see the goodness of the Lord on the earth. And the Hebrews, uh, the Hebrew mindset, the Jewish mindset, they have no problem with this. Why? Because in the book of Deuteronomy, what does God speak out over the Israelite people? He says, These are the blessings for obedience, these are the curses for disobedience. And the blessings for obedience included physical health and financial prosperity. God said, You will be blessed. You will be blessed. You will be the head and not the tail. You will lend and not borrow. Now, how many of us in here, you have borrowed money? Now, I, I got to raise my hand. I borrowed a lot of I went to NYU. I have borrowed money into, like, eternity. I mean, I just, it was a, we're not sending our kids to NYU. That's all I'm saying. Okay, There's no way we're justifying that kind of tuition. All right. um, that's just poor stewardship. Of of finances God gives you. But how many of us in here can say, I don't borrow money. I lend money. And not not in a prideful way, but I lend money because I have received the blessing of the Lord. I've been walking in his ways and God has been providing for me. Breakthrough after breakthrough. I used to live in the slums. I used to be homeless on the street, but not no more. The Lord has been my provider. You know, not, did, you know did you ever watch, um, what's that movie with Will Smith? Um, Hitch. Not Hitch. Come on. That was, that was the retreat. Pursuit of Happiness. <clears throat> In that movie, Pursuit of Happiness, uh, it's a true story. It's based on a true story of a father and a son. And the father uh, can't sell these uh, printers or no, m- medical products, these medical machines. Nobody wants to buy them. He has a really hard time. And what ends up happening is he actually becomes homeless with his son, but he refuses to separate from his son. And so they go inside subway bathrooms and they sleep inside the subway bathrooms because they were homeless for during this, during this time. Did you know that pastor Marcus, that's part of his testimony. He and his mom and his two uh, half siblings, they were homeless for like good part of a year. You know what I mean? And when I first met this guy, all right, Marcus, I don't want to put him on blast. Um, Marcus, uh, he didn't he didn't have that much money whenever whenever I meet up with him and stuff like that, because you know he just no one no, he never he never had like a father that really taught him how to manage finances or how to manage a budget. But he also it was connected to his thinking. You know, he, no one ever taught him that God wanted him to come out from that place of poverty, that poverty mindset. You know, in the black community, in the African American community, you know, it's a very strong, powerful, demonic stronghold on African American communities. Many of them believe, uh, their, their thoughts about finances is they go from month to month paying the bills. And a lot of times, man, that just gets them in so much trouble. You know, and that that's like a demonic mindset that needs to be broken off. And when I met Marcus in the beginning, he had that mindset. So I had to teach him the Bible and teach him that God wants to bless you, the whole of you, not just to bless you when you get to heaven, not just to bless you with salvation. He wants to bless you wholly. The The Greek word for salvation is sozo, which is a word in the Western Plato-influenced mindset, means a ticket to heaven. But in the biblical Greek use of the word sozo, it always included not only your soul and spirit, but your body as well. So when Jesus saves you, he wants to save the whole of you. And so Pentecostals, they kind of have this right in the sense that uh, they've emphasized the full gospel. And so some, the Korean uh, Pentecostal uh, denomination is called Sumbogum sunbogum e Sumbogum simply means full gospel. And so they teach w- during a very unpopular time, when people used to call the Yoido full gospel church here a cult, because they would teach on money. They would teach on health. But, you know, after about 20 years, they blew up, became the world's largest church, right? Nobody's hating on them now, right? And why did all those people stay with the church and continue to grow? Why? Because people are sick and they want to be healed. People are broke and they don't want to be broke no more. People keep borrowing money and they don't want to borrow. They want to lend. The Bible says we are the seed of Abraham. Right? And God gave a promise to Abraham in the Old Testament that is still in effect for today. It's in effect in a variety of applications, including the nation of Israel. You know, right now, America is this close to its own destruction. Because uh, Palestine is trying to propose a bill to the UN so they can declare themselves an independent state. So right now, all the politicians, especially the Christian conservative right, they they are really opposing this because they know if this goes through, And and the United Nations starts to stand behind it, and and Israel starts to get surrounded by a Palestinian legal state. That, you know, a lot of those Arab nations, the animosity and anger that they have toward the Jews is not an ethnic one. All right? It is a satanic agenda. You can't just talk them out of it. It is thousands of years of anger and animosity. And it is not an ethnic issue. It is a warfare in the invisible realm between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. But anyway, the, regarding Israel, I believe the promise given to Abraham is still in effect for Israel. I will bless you and you will be a blessing to all nations. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Right? And that gets fulfilled in, in one sense. It gets fulfilled mostly through Jesus. Because Jesus comes through the line of Abraham. And the whole world now experiences the blessing of God through salvation in Christ, right? But not only that, the whole, the, the, that, that word is still in effect for the nation of Israel. Because uh, it also says, cursed are those who curse you. And God never said, I take that back. And so any nation that wants to stand against Israel is really standing in the curse of God. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm trying to talk about you. Because you are in Christ, the Bible actually said, you are the seed of Abraham. And heirs according to that promise. What promise? The promise God gave to Abraham in Genesis. You are an heir. You inherit that blessing. You inherit that promise. You are the seed of Abraham. All the things that said spoke to Abraham was not only to be fulfilled in Abraham's ethnic lineage, but it was also to be fulfilled through his spiritual lineage. And that's why the Apostle Paul argues in Romans chapter 9 that not all Israel is Israel. But those who are truly the children of God, those who are truly the sons of Abraham, those are those who are in spiritually, they are God's people. And so he argues that faith was the basis for righteousness all throughout the history of Israel. And faith is still today the basis on which you have right standing before a holy God. And by faith, you can claim that promise that you are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to that promise. Now, how did I get off on that? Oh, yeah. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil, for it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones, I want to encourage every single one of you walk in holiness. it 's for your own bodily good. You know we, we, we have a very healthy congregation, and it 's not because we do a medical checkup before they join the church. All right We have a very healthy, healthy congregation, you know and, and my prayer and my vision for the church. Is that no matter who comes down with what diagnosis or what disease, we're going to see all of them healed. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, that's the kind of covering I want to provide. Uh, and that's the kind of vision I carry when I, when I pray for the church and, the, and I kind of shepherd this church, right? Um, yeah, I'm going to stop there with that. Yeah, but you know, that's what I pray for for the church. And, uh, you know, it's not that we gathered a whole bunch of healthy people, right? There are people that came in here and they had issues. Like they have physical symptoms that they could not explain, right? I mean, people, for those who have been healed and delivered from it, maybe if you, you can just raise your hand and testify. How many in, in here you got healed and delivered through New Philly from anxiety attacks, anxiety attacks, now, you know, when I, there's a, in the front, you got about five people. You know, when I was at Columbia University doing campus ministry with Campus Crusade, man, let me tell you, so many Columbia students used to get anxiety attacks. Okay, I, I'm exaggerating, alright. There's a few that got anxiety attacks, I'm sorry. It seemed like a lot. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'll be honest, Lord. No exaggeration. Okay. There's a few people that got anxiety attacks. And the bad thing about anxiety attacks is you rush them to the emergency room because they can't breathe. You take them to the emergency room and guess what the medical doctor tells them? There's nothing wrong with you. Drink some more water and take a nap. And that frustrates the person so much because they're like, what the heck? There's something wrong with me. Check again. Check. Give me some medicine or something. But it actually has nothing to do with medicine. It's because they're living their life in fear and in anxiety. And there may be even certain sins that open the doorway for Satan to get in and attack them with fear and anxiety. And if they were turned from that evil, then the authority of the word of God will come in and set that person free. I don't know if there's some of the newcomers in here, you're suffering from anxiety attacks. But let me tell you why, why you're suffering from anxiety attacks. Number one, I bet you you're suffering from anxiety attacks. Because you're trying to be in control of your life, and God never designed for you to be in control of your life. If I have to imagine controlling my life with all the crazy things like going around around me, that will give me an anxiety attack just thinking about it. God has not designed it for you to control your life. He created you in His image, but it, He didn't create you to be like to be Him, to replace Him. You got to be in submission to God's word. You got to walk in accordance to His ways, and even like people that are just walking in the in faith, they're walking in the Word of God. It doesn't matter what happens around them. It doesn't matter what storms of life come. They are just anchored in the love of God. They are just anchored in the Word of God. And what what situations that normal people get an anxiety attack? Those who are spirit-filled and standing in the faith, they are unmoved. They are unshaken. Man, I bet some of y'all just reading about the Apostle Paul's life, you get an anxiety attack. I mean, how many shipwrecks has he been in? He got stoned and left to die. He got whipped 40 minus 1. I don't know how many times. It was like five times. Thank you. You're about to graduate from seminary. Brady says three. Who's going to, are we going to look it up? No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Just looking and reading about his life, man, I can give you an anxiety attack. But let me tell you why Apostle Paul never got an anxiety attack. Because Jesus was the Lord of his life. Because he knew that even when things fall apart, God is in control. That's I'm going to bring me to verse five and six. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. You know, in our Western tradition, a lot of times our trust. It does not lie with the Lord. Our trust is usually in our understanding. And so if we don't understand a decision somebody's making or we don't agree with this or that, we have a hard time following the Lord, even if the Lord is clearly leading that person that way. Let me tell you something about understanding. Diddy knows this illustration because I have preached it like eight years ago. All right. Let me tell you about understanding. Understanding is overrated. I say underrated. Oh, understanding is overrated. <laughs> understanding is overrated. In the movie Karate Kid, the original Karate Kid. All right, I, mean, I like the new one too, but yo, you can't beat the original, man. They're, you know, with the, the skeleton costumes and and Ralph Macchio's just running away and and Mr. Miyagi just shows up and rescues him out of there. All right. Um in the movie Karate Kid, you guys got to see this. Uh, make sure you get on iTunes and, and, and rent this movie. It's an amazing movie. And uh, in the movie, Ralph Macchio keeps getting uh, bullied by all these guys in California. And a lot of these guys in California back in that time, late 80s, early 90s, everybody used to take karate. There was this chain of uh, karate schools called Kim's Karate. All right. And it was actually run by a Korean. And Koreans don't call martial arts karate. They call it Taekwondo. But whenever, back then, Taekwondo wasn't that popular yet. So, you know, Kim's Taekwondo, nobody wants to go to that. But everybody knew about karate, which is a Japanese martial arts form. Right? Anyway, um, all these kids in California, they're taking karate. And they're bullying this guy who just moved out to California from New Jersey. Right? And this is the karate kid. This is the main character. And, you know, one, one day he starts really pursuing this girl played by Elizabeth Hsu and And he's just like... You know, Mackinac tour, and they're playing video games in the arcade. Actually, when I was a kid, I, I always imagined, like, when I find my true love, that's what we're going to do. We're going to play air hockey <laughs> and, you know, laugh it up on these different, you know, carnival rides and all that stuff. Anyway, he's doing that, and the girl is actually one of, the, uh, one of the karate guys. He's interested in the girl. And so, anyway, long story short, you know, he gets chased down by all these guys that take karate, and they corner him to this gate, and they just start beating him up, right? And then Mr. Miyagi comes in, and then, and then he just starts, like, taking down all these, like, young, you know, tall, blonde uh, California guys, you know? And Mr. Miyagi just, you know, breaks them all up, and then uh, he takes Ralph Macchio over to, his, uh, over to his house. And Ralph Macchio says, teach me karate. Teach me karate. And says, all right, you want to learn karate? Then you come here tomorrow morning, right? And so he comes the next morning. And, you know, he's all excited to learn karate, right? And then Mr. Miyagi gives him, like, this um, waxing scrubber, all right? Yeah. And so he says, all right, you see all these cars? And there's, like, all these, like, old cars that Mr. Miyagi well, is, like, one of his hobbies. And he's like, I want you to wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. And and am and like... What's, what's this got to do with karate? And, then, and he's Daniel's son, concentrate. Wax on, wax off. Right? And so, you know, Daniel, Daniel uh, Ralph Macchio, you know, he, um, he does all the waxing. And then he comes back another day and he says, I want you to paint this entire fence. It's like this huge fence. And he shows him. And he's like, oh, he starts painting and he's like, No! Okay? I don't know what he said here. Up and down. I don't know. Something like that, right? It tells him to paint in exactly that form. So he just paint all this stuff. Eventually, Daniel's son gets fed up with all of this. And he says, Mr. Miyagi, what does this have to do with karate? I don't want to come in. You're just using me. You're just using me to do all your chores. All right. He says something like that. And then Mr. Miyagi says, Daniel's son, you karate do yes or you do you karate do no but you karate do maybe so and you get squish like a grape do you understand what was actually happening was right and then, and then Mr. Miyagi says I want you to uh, stand, stand get in your karate stance and then it's also like, what 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 and it's like Remember, wax on, show me wax on, wax off And Daniel son's like, ah, wax on, wax off No, Daniel's son, concentrate Wax on, wax off right? Daniel son's like, alright, fine Wax on, wax off And also, Mr. Miyagi goes ah! And Daniel's son's like this And out in Philly, you know, all the people in the theater are like Yeah, boy, yeah Hey, what Daniel's son didn't understand was while he was waxing on and waxing off, he was learning karate. And and Mr. Miyagi didn't feel like he needed to explain it all. He just wanted his trust and submission. Teach me karate. Okay, I'll teach you karate. Then you show up, you wax my cars. You know? Pastor Christian, teach me how to preach. Man, I love the preaching ministry at your church. Teach me how to preach. I want to be a preacher. All right. I'll teach you how to preach. Before you grab a mic, I want you to grab that mop. And I want you to take authority over this floor, all over, with the power of the Holy Spirit. All right. I want you to get it clean like you are getting somebody else clean from healing and deliverance or whatever. You learn to steward and have authority and govern this floor. Right? What's this got to do with preaching? (laughs) Concentrate. You preaching do yes. You preaching do no. But you preaching do maybe so. You get squished like a podo. (laughs) Podo means grape in Korean. Uh, You know, a lot of times understanding is so overrated. You know, we feel like we don't, God says go and we're like, no. Why? Right? It's not even no. It's like God says do this. God says go there. Why? Why? Why do we do that? Because we don't know how to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Heart represents relationship. God wants you to learn how to trust out of the relationship, not out of the understanding. Because your understanding may not be at the place where God needs it to be for you to do the things that He wants to assign you at this hour, for you to learn the lessons He wants to give you at this hour. So instead of focusing on the mind and on the understanding, we have to learn how to trust the relationship. That flows from the heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's why in this house, this theme of sonship is so important. Because what, what does this theme of sonship represent? It, rep- it represents relationship. Because the prophetic words that we received from Pastor Benjamin is, in 2011, God's going to take this house from being functional to being more relational. Another person said, you know, from from... Uh, to family over function Right What's that all talking about What's that all uh, Pointing to It's pointing to the heart To relationship To trust uh, My accountability partner uh, Alex Lim over at Jubilee Church uh, He just recently read a book uh, Called the uh, I believe it's the efficiency Or the What, what is it uh, Song The speed of trust Larry what What is that book called Okay <laughs> I think it's called the speed of trust or something like that. It's a secular author writing about the phenomena of the commodity of trust inside of a business. When you don't have trust inside of a business, that business cannot succeed. That business cannot accomplish all of its goals. But when you have trust inside of that company and that business, that business, the sky's the limit. That business, when they implement something, it moves forward with the quickness. Why? Because trust results in efficiency and speed. We don't have to explain everything. We just have people that know how to trust. And then as later on, they're waxing off and waxing off. It dawns on them. This is a karate move, isn't it? I'm going to get those California punks one day. (laughs) A lot of times our head has a hard time catching up to what God's doing in our life. And that's why we can't put our trust in just following our understanding. Even the Word of God says, the Lord's ways are higher than our ways. You know, I, I mean, a lot of times... Lord's doing stuff that's like multi-year, multi-relational, like ramifications for the whole city, a vision that actually is an influence for the whole nation. he's just doing these huge things with so many different variables. I mean, God God can't explain all that to you. Your mind would explode or you just get an anxiety attack right there. And so God says, you know what? I still want you involved with this. So learn to trust God. In me with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge me. Acknowledge me what? Acknowledge you. Lord, I acknowledge you. No. There's so many, you know, implications and applications of that verse. You know, actually, my name, my mom told me. I could be wrong. But my mama told me. So I would like to see if anyone would like to be the first to say my mama was wrong. Okay. I'm pretty sure my mom was right. She told me that my name, Suk Young, okay, in the Chinese, it means the acknowledgement of God's grace. Our Korean name is Suk Young. The reason I go by Christian, because when I grew up in the urban environment of Philadelphia, Suk <laughs> Young, you come up with all kinds of nicknames. And I got into a whole lot of fist fights, all right. And after I went became a Christian, the fist fights ended. Alright, anyway, suck young means acknowledgement of God's grace. You see, God wants you to acknowledge him, not only when somebody's about to martyr you and say, Do you believe in Christ? you know, and then it's like acknowledge God or deny God, you know. That's what some people think, you know, that's not it's about just living your life and acknowledging him every step of the way. Lord, I'm going down to Busan and I don't really understand what you're going to do down there. You know, the Busan team's sharing this, the Busan team's doing that. You know, I've never even done a church plant before, God. I don't know what I've got myself involved with, but I acknowledge you. I acknowledge you as sovereign. I acknowledge you as all wise. I acknowledge you as all good. So, Lord. I'm going to move forward because my trust is in you. We put too much trust in the plans rather than the planner. And we have to learn how to shift our affections, shift our focus on the one who designs the will that he has for your life. You know, even when it comes to marriage, you know, I believe... In one theological paradigm, I believe that God has, for each and every one of you, He's chosen a specific person. But in my experience, a lot of people do not seek God's best. They go their own way. So in my judgment, I see a lot of bad relationships. I see a lot of marriages that I don't think have anything to do with each other. So I'm like, that's definitely not God's perfect will for your life, brother. But, you know, he's, he's not in a place of faith to hear that. You know, and so there's a lot of people in the church. They end up marrying people that God never intended. But here's the thing about God. God says, Todd Beatty. <laughs> okay, let me, let, me, let me use somebody else. Okay. I'll just use Todd. Okay. Todd Beatty, you are to marry Jane Park. And that's God's will for Tom Beatty, is to marry this girl named Jane Park, you know? And I, I, I truly believe that Aaron is my chosen spouse. I know I took the right steps. Just look at her, you know? <laughs> she is this amazing woman of God. <laughs> you know, I actually try to go my own way a little bit. And God always pulled me out of certain relationships. Man, I got so many stories of girls that I had crushes on, that I pursued... With no protocol, no structure whatsoever. And God graciously pulled me out of those situations. God pulled you out as well. Don't even play. Don't even play. All right. But here's the thing. Even if you get lost along the way. And let's say you just commit and you get married to a person that God maybe never had even an intention for you to marry. It's all right. Acknowledge God is still sovereign. He's in control. It doesn't mean God's like, man, I ain't touching that marriage. No, God, God is so gracious with us. So that even if you, if you get involved with a relationship and you get married to a person that you know was not God's will for your life. God's will in that situation is not for you to divorce. Marriage is for keeps. It's a covenant he takes very seriously. And he'll say, you know what? It's all right. It's all right that you didn't marry Jane Park, Tom, Betty, But I'm willing to bless your marriage with Jamie Lee. <laughs> She's sitting right behind you, so I had to shoot somebody. If all you, <clears throat> if all you do is acknowledge if you all you do is acknowledge God he will make your path straight even when you have gone the crooked way even when you have gone lost on your own way he will make your path straight it don't matter how crooked of a path you have followed Jesus will make it straight if you acknowledge him as lord Trust in the Lord, brothers and sisters. No matter where you are at right now, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And I believe that that doesn't just apply to your direct relationship with God. Of course, that's very important that you learn how to nurture your personal prayer closet. You learn how to nurture your personal relationship with God. But one thing I'm learning as I mature more and more is. Your personal relationship with God. God looks down from heaven And he wants to see how you relate with the church. Because how you relate with the church reflects on actually where you are at with God. The more you learn how to honor pastors, leaders that God has appointed. The more that is a reflection of your intimacy with God. The more you are able to trust your leaders even when you disagree or don't understand about a decision they made. The more that reflects your trust in God. It's not all about this direct prophetic relationship. If anything, the prophetic gifts are given for you to edify the body of Christ. When you depend on your own prophetic gifts. To lead and guide your own life. Let me tell you, you're going to hit some trouble. You're going to hit trouble. Those gifts are given for you to edify the body of Christ and serve others. If you really need a word from the Lord, you got to learn how to relate to the body of Christ. Find somebody else that you know has a trusted prophetic gift and see what they speak. And then go to another person that you trust and see if it gets confirmed. And then weigh these prophetic words and discern what the Lord is saying to you in that situation. Oh, hallelujah, man. It's just a good day in here, man. i us look at everybody's faces. And y'all are just beautiful. Y'all, everyone just looks so beautiful. Let me just close us in prayer right now. Father, I thank you, Lord, for all of the guests in here. We thank you for every son and daughter. And, Lord God, we just confess. We confess. Some of us. In faith, we confess that we trust in you, Lord. Lord, we want to stop trusting in our own understanding. And we want to learn how to trust in you, in relationship with you, with all of our heart. Lord, I pray that God, each and every person in here, they will fear the Lord and learn to turn from evil. And in that place of purity and holiness. They will have a clear communication with God in which they can trust Him with all their heart. And in all their ways, may they acknowledge you. And may you make every crooked path straight. In this room, there are some that have gone astray, backslidden. They're still in the driver's seat. And my prayer, God, is for each and every person. To come into a place where they can fully surrender and fully trust you, Lord. the place where they lose control. When you're in the picture, losing control is not a bad thing. So, God, our prayer today right now is we surrender all. Just have your way in our lives, God. We trust you, oh God. We trust you, God. With all of our heart, we trust you. With all of our heart, we trust you.